everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church. Over the next couple weeks, we'll be sharing talks that are staffed in on February 1st at the No Regrets Men's Conference 2020. This conference is an annual event designed to create an environment for men to be challenged in their relationship with the Lord at home, in the workplace, and in their ministry. In this episode, we're going to listen to a talk from our executive pastor, Mike Beresford, called What Your Wife Asked Me to Tell You, where he talks about intimacy and marriage. If you want to continue to learn and be challenged on this topic, save the date for High Point Church's Sexuality Everywhere Conference on October 9th and 10th, 2020. As always, if you've got a question about what you heard, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening. So, Father, as we come into this conversation and topic, uh, we ask that your presence would permeate our hearts, minds, this room, that we would be open to listening, to receiving, figure out what we need to, who we need to be, so that we can do the things that emulate you and your gospel. In your name, amen. We've got a chair up here, one back there. And some floor space. <laughs> so this is my bride. Her name is Estel. She's the bravest woman I know. She's been married to me for 42 years. Doesn't believe in divorce. Threatened murder several times, but no divorce. <laughs> and uh, she's the delight of my life. After Jesus, of course. And so um, I would like to say that I've always been the good husband I have been in the last few years, but she would refute that, and so I have to be honest since I'm in church. You know, I remember when we went to pre-marital, and uh, I've been a pastor for 42 years. I'm executive pastor of High Point Church in Madison now, and I was sure I knew more than the guy that was doing our, our mentoring. Basically told him that, and, and I found out how much of a backbone Estel had at that moment. I was really nice to the guy the next week, but um, you know, we all think we've got it down. 42 years later, I'm learning, but love marriage. As a man, how do you, how do you uh, define intimacy? Now, everything's, you know, what stays in Elmbrook, what happens in Elbrook stays in Elbrook, so you're, you're fine. There'll be hundreds of thousands of men listening to your answers, but they can't see your face, so you're still fine. (laughs) You're free to be honest, okay? How do you define intimacy? (coughs) The hand shot up all over the room. You don't have to raise your hand. You can just, since there's so much competition. I have the ability to openly and honestly share what is going on in my life with a companion who will keep that... You've been to these classes before. (laughs) (laughs) Sex. Sex. How many would say sex? Yeah. Most guys. You're an anomaly, sir. I'm sorry. (laughs) Your your wife is a very fortunate woman. (laughs) So, most of us think it's sex. So, intimacy for a man is just this straight line. What's the problem? It's not how she defines it. How do you think she defines it? 
Quality time. Quality time? Conversation. Conversation? Honesty. Honesty. So you guys know the answers. You lied to me. You said you didn't know it. It was sex. And here you come out with all the answers. Transparency. Transparency. The lingerie? Or... <laughs> all the way through. And so... You guys just... You just hung yourselves because you know the answers to the questions. But you don't practice them at home. So that's what we're going to do, and then I have to send all your wives a report. <laughs> she wants the ability, and this is just a response. There's a lot, of, a lot of answers here. Opportunity to be vulnerable in her emotions, physical actions or words, knowing that she is safe, what you said, being heard in a way that is meaningful to her, really important word, and accompanied by the reality of trust and security in your, the relationship with you. Intimacy has nothing to do with sex. It's a great precursor, and often a precursor, but it has nothing to do with sex. We were doing a marriage um, retreat it was a beautiful setting, glass behind me, sunset, and about 50 couples stepped up, low lights, and I said, okay, girls, be quiet. Guys, how do you define intimacy? And in the back corner, this young buck says, the last few minutes before sex. And then you heard this, <laughs> He couldn't breathe, so he didn't say anything else. And... One of the things that... I think takes most guys five to six years to figure out is two things. Their wives really are their wives, and they're very, very different than they are in a very, very good way. And some of the things that they hold on to the most are the things that we need the most. They want to talk about feelings. Feelings. Go ahead and say it with me. Feelings. Nobody stuttered. It's an okay thing. You know, they want to talk about those things, but how many times do we initiate that conversation? No. Because we're not very good at them. They're better than us at feelings. And yet, it's up to us to create the environment for them to be who God created them to be. Now, that's tough. Because I don't know about you, but the average male is not born to do that. And there's a few anomalies. We take them out back and shoot them so they don't mess up our reputation. <laughs> but the truth is, when you learn to listen, when you learn to put the other's needs better than you, if you're in sales, you are the top salesman. Right? When you learn what the customer wants, it's a better relationship. Why would it be any different in our marriage? And so learning your wife's strengths as a woman, and that's a general statement I know, is going to help you in every area of life because communication is what we have to do life with. So what's our job as husbands, as men? When it comes to creating the environment 
that God put us in charge of, in the Word, in Ephesians 5, 22 down, he says, guys, do this thing as Christ loved, as Christ did, as he loved the church. And we're like, we hate that verse. It's no longer in my Bible. It just cut a sucker out. And, but it's there. And, and I have to recognize that my job is to create this environment where my wife and family can flourish in every aspect. And I have to do it in such a way that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ. And honestly, for a lot of guys, that's not why they got married. And it sure wasn't the rules that they got married to play by. But for us as Christ followers, as us who have Christ central in our lives, and ahead of myself one slide, I think, when we learn to love our wives especially, in the same manner that God loves us, we begin to understand the complexity of the gospel and the beauty of the gospel. Because she is as different from you as anybody could possibly be. She's a woman. Beautifully and gloriously made to complement you. Who are also beautifully and wonderfully made but you do things well differently. And so we come together and we learn from each other, but we still have the responsibility as men to create the environment so both parties can flourish. God has given you. How many of you have a job? That means that every one of you have the communication skills it takes to have a good marriage. Every one of them. How many of you are a salesman? Your marriages should be the best. <laughs> because you understand the value of listening. You understand the value of caring enough about what's important to them to give them the product. Everybody in here... So here's a fun story. I have a... It's what's been called a stupid rule. If your wife were to call me for marriage counseling, I would say, yes, I would gladly meet with you, but I have a stupid rule. And that is the husband has to make the appointment. Now, the reason I do that is because everybody's wife wants to have counseling. Men, not so much. And so I want to know that the guy's going to show up, and so I make him make the appointment. So I tell her that, and about five minutes later, my phone rings, and the guy pick, I pick it up, and the guy says, doesn't say hello or anything. He says, I understand you have a stupid rule. <laughs> yes, I do. I must have just talked to your wife. He goes, yeah, you did. We don't talk. We just stopped talking. We've got a great marriage. We love each other. There's no problems. We just don't talk. Now, I knew what the guy did for a living. He was the chief negotiator for the Boeing Airplane Company. <laughs> He just told me, we don't talk. I'm like, okay, got a problem here. So we made an appointment. He comes in, and he didn't know that I knew what he did. So I look at him, and I said, what do you do? So I'm the chief negotiator for the Boeing Airplane Company. I said, really? Tell me about that. Just in a sentence or two, what do you do? He says, I listen to actually both sides of the table, 
even though I'm employed by Boeing, I listen to both sides of the table and bring them to a resolve that's good for both. Not just acceptable, but good for both. And I close the deal. I said, you have permission to do that at home. He looked at me, he looked at his wife, he looked at me, he looked at his wife, and they got up and left. <laughs> Shortest appointment I have ever had. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I think I know what just happened. He grew up in a very role, traditional home. Guys take care of outside the house, women take care of inside the house. He had all the skills, an amazing communicator. All he needed to have permission to do it at home. They come into church next Sunday, one of the few Sundays that he was in town, holding hands. I said, how are you guys doing? He goes, we're great. Thanks. And they were great. Switch got flipped. And he understood that he had all the skills that she had been asking him to use for years. And so do you. God has equipped you to deal with this strange creature called woman. But we tend to back ourselves in corners and we forget that God has given us these gifts to lead with the authority and the responsibility defined, but to, to succeed at it. The, um, the thing that's important is when we understand that the gospel is about us having a list of offenses a mile long, and yet God still pursues us with vengeance, with just, I mean, He just cannot help Himself but pursue us <clears throat> and desire to be with us. When we understand that that is the way that we pursue those around us, especially our wives, it changes everything. And it it gives a focal point to the gospel because it takes it off, off us. And our marriages become this beautiful illustration to the world of God's love. It's not conditional. It's open. It's free. It's intimate. And when it's necessary, it's freely forgiving. Not to become a doormat or not to be wise. You don't throw that out. But it's open. I remember that I uh, just finished preaching a sermon on pornography. And this guy comes up. And I, you, you preach a sermon on pornography and the guy approaches the platform before you're done. You know where he's at. And uh, <clears throat> I always make the guys talk. You know, oh, what do you want to talk about? You know. No, I really don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm in pornography, and it's kind of early stages, and I know I shouldn't be there. Great Christian guy, leadership in the church. And I see his wife walk across, and, I, and he's like, no, 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 no. And he's just white as a sheet. And he didn't have a heart attack, and I was so grateful. But he comes over, and he's just sweating, just instant, turn on the faucet type sweat. And uh, she gets there and I said, he's got something to tell you. Now, all of a sudden, this guy that was talking in perfect English couldn't speak. And he goes, you tell her. I said, she's not my wife and it's not my sin. You tell her. 
he tells her in tears and she says the most beautiful thing to him honey I know I've been praying for you he said that's how safe you are in a marriage where both people love Jesus because that's what the gospel looks like and when the gospel looks that way between us and our father we learn what it should look like between us and our spouse. And the intimacy and the vulnerability that you can take to the Father in prayer is the vulnerability and intimacy that you can take to your wife and receive from your wife. And it can be safe. I remember the first time Essel said to me, you need to be careful of a couple women. And I'm like, oh, I got this, no problem. She's like, no, you don't. And, and I had to listen to her. That was hard enough. But then there was a woman in the church that I really enjoyed her company. There was nothing going on. I just enjoyed her. And I remember going probably four or five times to Estel to tell her about it and then just chickened out. And finally, I did. I told her. I said, you know, I'm really enjoying being around so-and-so. I need you to pray for me. And she goes, I am. And she told me who the woman was. And she said, you're my man. I'm going to protect you in prayer. And I'm going to keep you holy as far as I can help you. And I carry a gun and I'm a good shot. <laughs> and, but that, that openness is, is just this amazing glue that allows the two to become one, as was intended by the Father. And it's, it's so important. Now, I'm going to shift just a little bit from kind of that and who, what God's done for us to just a little bit about communication because communication is a tool that we use. It's a tool that some of us aren't very good at when it gets to that feeling word. So, we've got to remember that when we come to our wives, there's multi-layers of communication. There's verbal, there's physical, emotional, spiritual, and here's what's entirely not fair. They fire on all four of those all the time. We choose. We come in, well, I'm going to have a good conversation. They're functioning down here, too, and wondering where we're at. Or we're going to pray. And they're like, oh, Pierre. And she's like, you know, hold me when we pray. But you're naked. You can't do that. She's like, it would be beautiful. And you're like, I won't be able to concentrate. <laughs> and they're firing on all four all the time, and, and we don't. And, and we forget that they're complex. Much more complex than we are. But it doesn't mean they're better or worse, or we're better than worse. They're just different. And it's up to us to remember that they are this beautifully created creature, created in the image of God to fulfill their purpose in, in worship and who they are with Him and to come alongside us as we are created in the beautiful way also. But they do things better than we do and we do things better than they do. It's just different things. And so we need to understand a little bit about 
communication. If you want your intimacy to get better, go to Google and just type in types of communication and learn something. Most of us do really well in small talk facts and opinions, right? We're guys. They start on number four. <laughs> they don't care about these. And it's like, wait a minute, no, we start up here. And they're like, no, we start here. It's okay. Feelings, desires, beliefs. And it shuts us down sometimes. Rather than stepping into the conversation that God's leading us into through them, so that we can learn more about ourselves, we freak. And it's like, no, I think I'm, I think I, you know what, I, I, I gotta go to work early to. And we get out of it, maybe. And, and we don't put ourselves out there to learn from them in areas that we're weak in. Because here's a fact about men if we can't win the race, we don't run. Why would I run if I'm gonna fail? I love failure. Wow. <laughs> At all costs. I'm not going to put myself out there just to fail. And so she talks better than me. I just won't talk. That way, there's no competition. I can handle it. So there's four simple rules of communication that I've come up with. There's nothing that is sacred about any of these except they are true. Um, when you listen to your spouse, or to anybody, listen to understand. Don't listen to check the box off. Now, if I'm listening to understand, it means I probably have to ask some questions to figure out the whole picture. I may have to say, can you repeat that a different way? You may have to say, here's what I hear you saying. Is that right? No, well, you got half of it right. Well, would you repeat the part I missed and, and help me? I have to listen without taking offense. This is the woman that married you. She gave up every other guy in the planet for you. Can you believe it? She closed down every possibility, every potential, because she was banking on you. And then we get mad at her. It's like, that doesn't make sense. This woman loves me, so she's probably going to say something to me that's good for me to hear. I'm going to believe the best about her. It usually is the best. And so I'm going to listen without taking offense even if it's an accusation, because I'm probably guilty. And the easiest way to go into anything where you're guilty is admit it. I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's my starting point. No, my starting point was, I'm just a sinner. The grace was always there, but I had to accept it. And so that's my starting point. Yeah, I probably did offend you. Help me understand what it was that I did, because I'm missing part of the picture. I don't want to fight with her. I want to love her. 
I want to give her every opportunity possible to be the godly woman that she probably wants to be and that God is making her to be. And if she doesn't have that desire, then I get to emulate the desire for her and to her. I get to show her the Gospel. I get to show her Jesus. Speak without condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. None. So actually it doesn't matter. I lead a Bible study at the state capitol on Wednesdays for legislators and senators. And, and we've been talking about this because the guys across the aisles, they don't get along so well. And they say some pretty nasty things. And I'm like, if you're a Bible study guy, I don't ever want to hear that language out of your mouth. Ever. They're like, well, they believe this. I said, then deal with the issue. But that person is created in the image of God with worth and value. And if you say bad things about them, then you're speaking against the creation of God. Shut up. And that took us two or three sessions to get through. But your wife is created in the image of God. One of my mentors early on said, Mike, never forget that someday you're going to stand in front of Estel's Heavenly Father and account for your actions for her. I don't want to have a bad conversation with that man. Son. <laughs> you know, I want to treat my wife as God's daughter well because that's how she was created to be treated and when she is treated like that she also is an amazing person and I benefit from that beauty that she held, she holds and then it's my responsibility and I have the authority to create this environment where she can flourish where she can typify that creature created in the image of God why would I ever condemn her or speak in such a way that puts her down to her to anybody that's, that's, no, that's not the evidence of Christ in me the evidence of Christ in me is to extend grace and mercy and protection to lift up, to build up, to encourage. And then the last one is check your messaging. If you say something half-cocked on a drive-by, whatever it is, and she gets this look on her face like, what? then just ask her, what did you just hear me say? And she'll tell you. And you're like, whoa, that's not what I meant to say at all. Would you give me the opportunity to back up and restate it? Because I think I just had a little bit of hangover from work in that, in that statement. Because they're very aware of continuity of message. You can't look at your wife and go, I love you. <laughs> I mean, you can. It's not smart. Once you get off the floor, she's going to say, you want to try that again? Because to say I love you means open body stance, probably leaning in a little bit, eye contact, tone of voice that is endearing. I love you. Now that's better. And 
All those things matter. The guy that played for the Seahawks, he was a tackle, strong Christian guy, and loved football. Got married to this beautiful woman, Christian lady. He's got three TVs in the living room. Loves football. <laughs> His marriage just wasn't firing. Finally, she went out and bought this beautiful lingerie outfit. Back to transparency. Puts it on, walks out in front of the football game, says, play me or trade me. He has one TV in his room now. <laughs> he only watches one game on the weekend. Because the value in his home was not the external things. It was his bride. And it was a harsh lesson that he had to go through to learn that God had given him a beautiful gift in his wife. And then God gave him the authority and the responsibility to steward that gift well so that they would bring glory to God in all aspects. And, and we forget that. A few things you can do. First off, allow Jesus to be the one who meets your needs when it comes to identity, being loved, having purpose. Great gift to your wife to say, you are no longer responsible to meet my core needs. Because she knows she can't do it anyway. Those are meant to be met by your Savior. Now that frees you from needing her to love you to getting to spend all of your energy to love her. I get to listen to my wife. I get to love her. When I'm in a go mode at night and she says, not tonight, honey, I get to receive her with grace and dignity and ask the follow-up question, is there something different that you would enjoy or relax you that I could do for you? And even if the answer is, go to sleep, <laughs> receive it well, and pray for her. What happens when a woman is treated like that? Her love is very reciprocal to you. And when her love reciprocates like that, you're going to have a better sex life. There's no two ways about it. But it doesn't start there. It starts in your heart. It starts in who you are in Christ. Are you the man that is virtuous enough that that woman that God has given you in marriage, or will, that you're the man that she wants to marry, that you're the man that she wants to go through life struggles with, that you're the man that she wants to grow old with, because you've got the capacity in Christ Jesus to do and to be that. Understanding that being a man gives you the responsibility and authority to bring peace and joy into your home in the same manner that Christ does for you. We've talked quite a bit about that. Here's a big one in our day and age. Slow down and be present. That's a key to intimacy. 
So last January, a year ago, I'm just noticing that Estelle and I aren't having sex quite as often, and we're not talking about some deeper things quite as often. So I watched this for a month. And at the end of the month, I said, honey, we got to have a new rule. We laugh about that, because that's the way we talk about things that are serious. And, and we laugh at each other, and she laughs at me more than I laugh at her. But <laughs> I said, uh, you know, it takes you longer to get ready to go to bed than it takes me. Anybody experience that at home? Yeah. <laughs> and so we read off our laptops, I mean, our iPads at night, and uh, I get in bed, and I'm reading a book, and then she comes to bed, picks up her iPad, and reads a book, and we forget to kiss, we forget to talk. It was just a quick good night, quick kiss, roll over, go to sleep. That's not who we are. That's not what we wanted, either of us. But it's my responsibility. So I said, I miss snuggling with you. I miss conversations with you. Actually, a guy said that. I miss intimacy. Besides that, we're not having sex as often as I, we used to. I didn't add or I wanted. But. <laughs> and so... I said, here's the new rule. First 10 minutes, when you come to bed, I'm putting my iPad down to set the example so that you don't pick yours up. And we're face-to-face -face for 10 minutes at least. If something happens, praise God. If nothing does, that's fine. 10 minutes later, you got nothing to say? Nah, me neither. Read your iPad, I don't care. Let's go to sleep. Sometimes it's like that. Sex life went back up, conversations went deeper. We're back on track a week later. But it was my job to do that. It was my job to ask her, what do you need to talk about, honey? Somebody help that guy get back on his chair. No, I'm kidding. And. And we have to slow down and be present, whatever that looks like for you in your environment. If you can give attention, you won't need to demand attention. Your wife doesn't need you to be a different person. Just be the whole person that God created you to be. The grace that you experience from the Father extend. The forgiveness you experience from the Father extend. The mercy you experience from the Father extend. When you leave Him waiting and He still stays, learn to stay. Marriage becomes this beautiful picture of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's jump to this. I didn't put the list of these out. They're listed out in the handout. Ways to pray for your marriage. Here's another fun story. Well, it wasn't fun at the moment, but it will be for you. Um, when you're a pastor, sometimes you get so involved in the details of doing church, you forget to stop and worship. We were, at a, we were visiting a church. I didn't know anybody. 
They had a great worship team. It was just one of those moments. I was in a thirsty space in my life. And I'm just standing with my hands raised, just thoroughly enjoying Jesus. And I get this thought. And I stop and interrupt Estel and I said, What are you thinking when you see me in worship? Now, i got to tell you, I'm thinking, oh, you're a man of God. And she didn't say anything like that. She said, it makes me feel safe. And I'm like, so I went back to worshiping. We get in the car going home, and I'm, I said, would you unpack that statement for me? Because that is not what I expected to hear. And she goes, yeah, I know, you wanted me to say you're a man of God or something. (laughs) She said, I've been married to you like 30 years at the time. And she said, when you're not fully immersed in Christ, you scare me. You're willing to do anything just to see if it works. Sometimes they're stupid. But when you're immersed in Christ, and I know you're getting your cues from the Father, I am safe. Because Christ in you is a beautiful man. And I'm like, whoa. That set me back more than if you'd said you're a holy man. And that was a conversation we had for a while. Because I wasn't thinking through all the ramifications of who I am in Christ. To my wife, to my two daughters, to my congregation. And it stopped me cold. Made me think. And it put a higher priority on me and what I truly value. And she said something very profound which she reminds me of often. If you really love me, love Jesus well and let him love you. And that little bit of advice has just been wonderful for our marriage. So pray for your marriage. Stormy R. Martin wrote a book on praying for your marriage. Mostly, unfortunately, women buy it. Guys, you're the one that need to lead in this category. So there's a list of things you can pray about. Some of them you probably haven't. If feelings aren't your cup of tea, be brave enough to say, hey, would you help me connect to you better? you do feelings better than I do would you help me second one let her help words here's a fun exercise don't tell your wife you love her for a week but instead of that tell her so many other things of what love actually does mean to you that she won't miss the words I love you Build a foundation under those three words. Tell her what a great, how you enjoy the friendship, you enjoy the companionship, you, you enjoy um, whatever it is you enjoy. I mean, there should be a list a mile long of things that just come off your mouth like that. And if they don't, see me afterwards. But, you know, she's an amazing lady. And you should have much to be thankful for in her. And build that foundation so when you come back and say, I love you, it means those things. Now, if she questions that on day two, you need to tell her what you're actually doing. But (laughs) it can be a fun little thing.
practice active listening. Look her in the eyes, put down the paper, put down the book. You're under 35, put down the video controller. Number one reason millennials are getting divorced is video games. Number one. And make those statements you need to make. Hmm. That's interesting. I hear you saying this, and then actually repeat back what you heard. So things, things you do at work, things you do with customers, things you do outside of the home. And here's the one that will really get it. Oops. Share your feelings without being asked or prodded. Beat her to the punch. Because that's what she wants. She wants to know what's going on in that head. She wants to know what's going on in that heart. She actually wants to know and hear you say, I am just in a dry spot with Jesus right now. Would you pray with me? I've just been thrown by a loop with all this. Would you cover me in prayer? Because I don't feel I can pray right now. Be honest. And she will say, yes. And do it beautifully. Slow down your pursuit of intercourse. If you do, it'll be there. But it's not a, it's not a race. It's not your goal. Conversation is a type of foreplay to her. Everybody's like, now we're finally getting to talk about intimacy. <laughs> Turn-ons can happen before the bedroom. What are your wife's? What actually makes her want you? What do you do? That's before the bedroom. Do them. Otherwise, we're just going to call you a fool. No. Do those things. Please her. Go after her. Every woman wants to be pursued. Every woman wants to know that she's desired. Every woman wants to know that you love her if you're her husband. <laughs> we won't go any there. Touch and conversation together often open up intimacy and arousal. Penner and Penner have got a great book, two great books. Uh, first one is The Joy of <coughs> Sex, and the second one is, uh, it's got a great title, uh, Restoring the Pleasure. And, and there's some exercises, and most guys, they tell this to you, they're like, hey, I know how to do it, it's okay. No, you really don't. <laughs> one of the exercises is, is a non-penetration exercise. You're both naked, she lays back against your, your chest, and it's a talking position. It's best done when the goal is not intercourse. The goal is celebration. The goal is, is intimacy. The goal is, is caressing. The goal is touch. The goal is to be so thoroughly enjoyed. Intercourse is an afterthought. In younger bucks, it is possible. And and all of a sudden, you're setting a different kind of table. Intercourse no longer is the goal of sex. It becomes the celebration of your relationship. 
It becomes the intimacy physically of the union that is spiritually there. I mean, you should have fun intercourse. You should have spiritual intercourse. I don't know if any of you have prayed with your wife in, while you're having intercourse or at the end of it and just being still before the Lord and allowing that to wash over you. It's amazing. But you got to even think about it to let it happen. God created us to enjoy that. God created us to celebrate in that physical union something that the only other experience that I think will ever match that experience is, is when we truly understand worship and are lost and immersed in worship, receiving and giving. It should be ordinary. It should be vacation sex. It should be everything you want it to be as long as it's encouraging, it's lifting up, it's bringing security and trust, it's affirming the relationship. It's made to happen. It's godly. You shut your bedroom door, God doesn't, doesn't stop him from coming in. He's present. You might as well invite him in. Some of the best sex we've had is when we asked him to let us enjoy it more. I want to enjoy it more. I don't know about you. God's better than I am. <laughs> Marriage isn't a race, so slow down and enjoy it. If you build intimacy into your everyday life, you will enjoy marriage. Period. There's no comma after that. Period. Because you'll find yourself giving and taking and receiving in a way that God meant it to be. <clears throat> because neither of you need the other one, you're free to give to the other one. Now there are times, there are seasons, when it's like, I just, I'm, I just recently got gone through one this last nine months because of pain, where I just told Esli, I need you to cover me in prayer and many other ways in this season. And she gladly did it and did it so much better than I could have. Because I might get 40 hours in a week and then go home and spend the evening on ice pads. It's just been my life. And she wants to serve me. Because I love her. And by the grace of God, over 42 years, I'm finally learning to do it reasonably well. So know that God has equipped you with every good gift that you need to meet every wonderful gift that your wife has and desires to have met by you. And when you lack, ask her and ask Him. Because it's His design. Okay? Questions? Think about it. Pray about it. Do it. Get out of here. The room's really hot. <laughs> God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. 
If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.